Well, hello and welcome to another episode of What's Brewing CISFA. What's Brewing CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. My co-host, Dana Yarbrough, is off for today as I'm flying solo on the show. What's Brewing CISFA, though, hopes to inform and entertain you 30 minutes at a time. So let's go ahead and start the show. And welcome, everyone, back to another episode of What's Brewing CISFA. Let's start this show with our first cup. So hopefully you're pouring yourself a nice beverage, whether you're listening to us in the morning, afternoon, or nighttime. Uh, I can just say I'm doing some more sparkling water this morning as I'm going to have to do the show all on my own. And it's just, again, it's a logistics thing as we are slowly moving staff back to work in a few days every week in the office. I have uh, Dana going in on Tuesday mornings. Uh, she's helping out another staff member. Uh, so it's a little hard to coordinate how to record early enough for us both to get back to the office. So I've decided that I'll just do the Tuesday shows for the next couple weeks on my own, give you the news just for me. And then Fridays, uh, we still coordinate because we're both at home. We can both record still from home. We're still working on the details of when will we move Studio 1051 back to campus, hopefully in the next few weeks. And once we do, it'll be a little easier to record in person. Other than, of course, if we're recording in my office, we'll have to come up with one of those little recording lights or whatever to remind staff that we're recording. Please don't knock on the door. Turn off the phones. Stuff like that. So there, I had this whole list prepared over a year ago of, you know, show prep things to do before we started recording. And the whole idea was, if we're recording in my office, that's great. You know, it's kind of quiet. There's not a whole lot of uh, noise outside and things because of the structure of uh, and setup of the financial aid office. But it was all those things that you'd want to make certain that you do before you turn on microphones. You know, make certain you have cell phones muted, or on vibrate, uh, other distractions are taken care of. You hung the sign outside, or again, I have the light, you know, the red studio light that says on air or recording. Uh, and, uh, you know, you prep the computer stuff too, because, you know, you forget how many things go ding on your computer until, of course, you're trying to stay quiet and record. Uh, and that's when you figure out, wow, there's a lot of noise coming off these machines between constant reminders popping up for Microsoft Teams or emails or upcoming meetings, uh, you name it. Uh, you really have to remember about notifications. How do you control all of that? But anyways, that's just some of the logistics that we're working through on the show. We'll continue to try to do two per week. Today is, of course, Tuesday, so... This is the day we try to give you some news. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sunday and Monday were pretty full days for me. So uh, this is probably good that it is a solo show because normally the prep work for the show uh, I do on Sundays. 
takes a, a number of hours, but I basically call through a, a folder I keep in my Outlook email account for work of all the different things that come in through the week from NASFA, Chronicle for Higher Education, Inside Higher Ed. Uh, I also check out a couple other websites like Real Clear Education, which comes from the people who created Real Clear Politics. Uh, and they have a subsite under the Real Clear Education specifically about higher education. Um, on top of that, I'll check out some other websites from some partner organizations and see what is all the news out there. The good thing about NASFA, other than, again, they're our national association, is they do a little daily news that I try to borrow some of their headlines from so that I can get some new articles every day, including our kickoff article today. So this is from uh, Hugh Ferguson, NASFA staff reporter, and, of course, headline of the article, not too good. Latest FAFSA completion numbers could indicate more enrollment declines for fall 2021. So what it seems like is FAFSA completions declined by almost 5% for high school class of 2021 with an estimated 53.3% of the class of 2021 having completed a FAFSA by July 2nd. This is all according to some new data pointing to potentially, again, lower enrollment for the coming fall. So the latest completion data was released as part of a report by the National College Attainment Network, or NCAN. They track FAFSA completion data through the Form Your Future FAFSA Tracker, the website there. And they updated weekly from October 1st from the launch of the FAFSA every year to June 30th, and then monthly over the summer from there. Uh, so <clears throat> the latest numbers indicate that 102,000 fewer seniors have completed the FAFSA this year. So and this is a quote straight from the article, the director of data and evaluation from NCAN, NCAN. He says, we warned that FAFSA completion would be bad because we knew it would be bad. And in the end, it's bad. I don't think Bill could have summarized it better. So in an era where we assume we have potentially more students needing financial aid to go to college between the ever-rising cost of tuition and costs related to going to college, the fact that we had many families in turmoil, uh, losses of jobs, retirements, losses of family members, uh, you name it, all these things that happened during the pandemic, uh, the hope would have been that more students would have filled out the FAFSA, but apparently we still see a decrease, which assumingly means that we may see a decrease again for the fall in enrollments. You know, it was expected that coming out of uh, last spring of 2020, you know, a number of high school seniors graduating in the year of 2020 might sit out. They may not go to their first choice school. Maybe they would go to a local community college. So there was that, uh, I don't want to call it a dream, but that potential thought that, you know, we'd see increased enrollment at the community colleges in the fall of 2020 and such. Those really did not come through. We had probably a few more students who were four-year college and university bound coming. But the reality is uh, we did not see a, a large spike and instead saw, you know, declining enrollment. We saw that throughout the spring of 2021 
And it's potential that we may see this again for fall 2020-21. So just to give you a little update there on the news, uh, this comes from NASFA. And uh, we probably have a few more things coming from NASA here in the news today, including they've made some updates just recently to a number of their quick reference guides. So these quick reference guides are to help student aid professionals like me and others who hopefully listen to this podcast, uh, you know, look up important information on specific topics. So, for example, they just updated last week their graduate and professional reference sheet their health professions, loans, and scholarship reference sheet, the comparison of subsidized and unsubsidized loans for undergrads, the uh, information sheet or reference guide on uh, children of fallen heroes, uh, understanding the specifics of how that those awards work for the coming year, and a number of others. <clears throat> if you're looking for it, uh, I will put a link in the show note in the show notes today on where to find these new quick reference guides. I believe you may have to be a member to get to them. I guess I'll let you know that. And let's do an update here from our friends over at the California Student Aid Commission. This was something put out just yesterday. Uh, they have a special alert reminding us of an update to SB 860. So uh, that's Senate Bill 860 here in the state of California. And if you're wondering how the numbers go, do they literally number them in sequence? Almost, but not quite. I'm sure there's some math to it, but uh, you'll see a lot of times laws uh, are referenced that way continuously. So when we talk about AB 540, that was an assembly bill from probably almost 20 years ago or so that allowed undocumented students to pay in-state tuition. So that's why sometimes... On this show, you hear us talk about AB 540 students as a group, in a sense, of students who would qualify under that law passed many years ago to pay in-state tuition. This new special alert, though, put out just on July 19th. That would be yesterday. Also, this is special alert number 26 for the year. Uh, it's an update regarding the interpretation of a certain California educational code which is the whole compendium of California education regulations. Uh, there's a section in there that was amended by Senate Bill 860. So what this has to do with is <clears throat> students who qualify and are Cal Grant recipients. Um, in order to be a Cal Grant recipient, you have to meet certain household income and asset limits. You have to be below those based upon the size of family. What happens, though, is if in a future year you're not eligible based upon those income or asset eligibility requirements, you used to be able to come back and potentially be eligible the next year if you now then again met those income and asset requirements. So, you know, if your income had peaked one year, may have lost eligibility for that year, but you could be regaining it the year after. Well, what happened is, there was a re, uh, review of this by uh, the SUNAID Commission Legal Council that concluded that a Cal Grant recipient who was financially ineligible for Cal Grant for two or more years may be eligible to renew their Cal Grant in following years 
if they still meet all the Cal Grant program eligibility requirements and have remaining eligibility. And this is the part that always gets people confused. Most students, in a sense, start with four full-time years of Cal Grant eligibility in their life, if they're eligible. From there, every full-time school year is a 100% or 100% of a total max of 400%. Now, the way this calculation works for this stuff about students who lose an eligibility is for the full academic year they don't receive it because they weren't financially ineligible that does count against the clock so a student let's say gets cal grant their first year ucla full-time student that's one of four full-time years but the next year they're ineligible because of finances and they go full-time that year counts against them too and let's say that happens for another full school year and they're still ineligible. But then in their senior year, they are financially eligible and meet all the program eligibility. They would have that one full-time year of Cal Grant eligibility remaining for that last year. But if you want to know more about this and the Cal Grant program and their special rules, because it is slightly different than Pell Grant, of course, it's a state program. Why wouldn't it be? We'll put a link in the show notes to Special Alert GSA 2021 slash 26. Now, before we move on to some other news here, I figure this would be a good time for a little musical interlude, seeing the show may run a little short today. So let's enjoy the music. And just like that, we are back for our second cup here on the What's Brewing Seats for Show. Time to fill up. Certainly was. My sparkling water sitting right here. Let's move on to a couple different articles here. Uh, there was a nice article about, again, the drop in FAFSA, which is not good news, out on the Inside Higher Ed website. Uh, and it's got some breakdowns there as far as um, some additional information without going right into report. For example, it says for schools with more than 50% black and Latina, Latino students, the decline was as high as 8.1% compared to 2.2% in schools with uh, smaller enrollments of black and Hispanic students. Also, public high schools in cities were down 6.6%. Small towns, 7%. Those are the highest of declines, while schools in rural places were down about 5.5%. And suburban schools, actually uh, the lowest of all these, as far as the smallest, they were only down 4.2%. Um, <clears throat> there is some good news. The survey ranked the states in terms of percentage of high school seniors that filled out the FAFSA. And they tell us who's doing the best and who did the worst. So Louisiana at 73.7% is in the top spot, <clears throat> followed by Tennessee at 71.6% and Washington, D.C. at 69.3%. Uh, rounding out the top five, Illinois and New Jersey. I'm not sure where California ranks, but the good thing is we'll put a link in our show notes. It has the report and you'll see how well we did. 
Yes, you know, uh, thinking about stuff like that, that report, there's a survey coming out for most of us here in financial aid world. There's a joint survey being launched between NASFA and the National College Attainment Network um, to basically survey us about verification. So if you uh, have gone uh, or you get the daily email from NASA or you get an email from them, they're seeking to evaluate solutions that would streamline and improve the verification process to reduce the verification burden for institutions and students. So, you know, they want to do the survey. Uh, there's questions regarding verification selection data, uh, observed verification trends, and potential solutions for improving the process for us at the colleges and for our students. So uh, it seems like a decent enough survey to do. Uh, some very good questions. It does ask for some numbers and such. But again, it's the idea here that we're in this, uh, we're in a different world right now. You know, we talked about last week on our Friday show about how the Department of Ed just recently decided that V1 verification would not have to be completed for 2021-2022. And that's our old standard verification that's been around forever, where about 30% or more students are required to verify the number of people in their household, the number of them going to college, and then also if they had filed a tax return, provide a copy of that tax return so that we can verify the income information for the parents uh, for dependent students, that is. And, of course, for the students themselves. What the Department of Ed decided to do just recently was suspend that need for us to do V1 verification for our students for the coming school year. That's pretty big. But we don't anticipate this will last forever because the whole idea of verification is to help look using the risk management, uh, uh, threat assessment, whatever you want to call it, from the Department of Ed of where students may have made errors in their information. In fact, this is something that me and Dana talked briefly about on Friday as we we're talking back and forth on the show. You know, it's one of these things that, you know, students don't always know why were they selected for verification. Um is it random? You know, that might be the easy answer, but it isn't so much. It's really the Department of Ed is trying to figure out from the data they've been presented on a self-certified form if there could be errors in specific data elements that make a difference <clears throat> in eligibility for aid. And so it could be as simple as, and this was always a funny one, was I remember at many national conferences, people asking similar questions to, all the student did was after they filled out the FAFSA, they went back in and they changed their email address or they changed their phone number or their home address on the form. And then they got selected for verification when the updated results came in. Why would that be? And as I was telling Dana, the answer we kind of got from our Department of Ed person many years ago was, if you made a mistake on something as simple as that kind of data, <clears throat> what is the possibility that you may have incorrect information in things like your reported income or taxes paid or things like that. Well, that's kind of how they do it on top of some other things. Now, keep in mind that we do have less and less verification overall just because 
with that IRS data retrieval tool we've had for a number of years here, students and parents can literally drag information electronically straight from the IRS in their data system and have it put right into their FAFSA. So it's a little hard to cheat there unless you're cheating on your taxes. So assumingly, those are the correct figures. We don't have to verify those students nearly as much as the students who might be self-reported or um, have maybe discrepancies between school years and such. You know, one year did not file, next year filed, and we have, you know, large changes in income. There could be a variety of other factors at play. But please, uh, on this item that I started off the news item with, the survey coming out from NASFA and NCAN, if you get information about it, please make sure you fill it out. Let's go back to a little bit more from NASFA because they are one of our greatest uh, sources of news. I was going out there again myself and looking at, they have a pop quiz item again regarding federal work study. And theirs was, can unspent 2020-2021 federal work study funds be carried forward for use during the coming 2021-22 school year? So, you know, this is a, uh, the scenario here is very common among many of us. A school has leftover federal work study funds from last year. And can we carry those forward into the next school school year? And is there a dollar limit or percentage limit on that carry forward? Many of you may already know this, but if you don't, it's good to know. So, yes, you can do a carry forward of up to 10% of your total funds. This would be your initial and if you had any supplemental work study funds given to the school. From the current award year allocation we spend in the next year. Funds carried forward must be spent before spending current award year funds, if you can, of course, figure that out through your accounting, hopefully. The school must match federal work study funds carried forward in the award year uh, to the funds being spent. That's a big thing there. So that's your accounting guys doing that for you. So, so remember the allowance to transfer up to 100% of a school's unexpended federal work study allocation into its FSCOG funds continues for the coming school year. This was something that came out of uh, of the pandemic um, because think about it, you know, come last March of 2020, over a year ago, many of us were not able to hire or keep as many student workers on campus. And so we underspent our federal work study funds. But early on, they allowed us to put it into FSCOG, our Federal Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grant Program, and use it as either FSCOG grants or potentially emergency grants. So <clears throat> this will be something that we can continue to do uh, if you had unexpended funds, move it over to FSEOG and then use it as emergency funds. Now this goes through the end of the payment period in which this qualifying emergency ends. Uh, and again, we're probably looking at it being sometime in 2021, 22. So that's just a little pop quiz question that's out there. One last thing for NASA, and then I'm done giving them free advertising. Uh, they've made some updates uh, to some of their tip sheets, separate from their student reference items that I talked about. These are some tip sheets for students in unique situations and populations. Uh, and so these tip sheets are designed to help, you know, those unique student populations overcome challenges, understanding the financial aid process especially if they have other aid coming in for things. But they have a number of different tips for unique student populations sheets available. 
Uh, we have some here for our adult learners, for refugee and asylee students, for service members and veterans, students who may have had criminal convictions in their past, undocumented students, and then those students who may have been victims of natural disasters, war, or terrorism. So if you're a NASA member, definitely check those out. I'll put a link in the show notes, the simple page, to get to all that information. Let's see if we got time for one more quick note here in our news. I have one more article, and this is from a reporter that talked to me about some things uh, for an article she did almost a, a year ago. Her new article out in the LAist is California high school seniors will soon be required to apply for financial aid for college. So this is something new. This is part of the California budget package. High school seniors will soon be required to fill out a financial aid application for college. So students will be able to opt out though. And the mandate really doesn't go into effect until the 2022-23 school year. Of course, keep in mind, October 1st of this year, 2021, is when the FAFSA comes out for those students starting college in fall of 2022. So it is not too far away. So submitting a FAFSA or for our undocumented students here in California, a California Dream Act application um, would be a requirement. So there's more in the article. I'm going to leave it to you to read. I'm going to give you a link to it because it's interesting. And again, we, it's coming up there. And I've seen already among the conversations in my cohort of financial aid directors about we're probably going to go to high schools much more often to help them get their FAFSAs done. And that's fine. We want to make sure and do that outreach, everyone, where you can afford to do so to help our high school seniors get on the right track. And even if, you know, people are opting out for certain reasons, that's okay. If we can get a higher percentage of students who apply, utilize federal and state aid resources, we know that between that and staying enrolled and staying enrolled full-time at college is extremely important on staying on path to actually graduating and completing their programs. The longer you take, whether it's for finance reasons or otherwise, lowers your potential for graduation. Well, amazingly here in the show, I think this is about all we have time for news today. So let's take one last break before we head into our last sip segment. And just like that, I'm back for our last sip segment here on the show. Get the last sip of my sparkling water. Oh, I had a second sip. Who knew? Forget about my own sound effects. So uh, we'll have hopefully an interview this coming Friday on the, uh, the Friday episode. For today, as far as I dare you to selections, I don't really have any, and I haven't talked to Dana. I should at least have her phone one in once in a while when I'm doing these solo shows. So I think I'm going to put off and save my I Dare You To selection for Friday. Um, so on, really, I think we've kind of ran out of material today, people. I hate to leave you go early, but, you know, even like when I'm doing a class or presentation, 
people generally don't complain too much if they get out a little early. So that's all we have, uh, uh, you know, time for today on the show. But don't worry, everyone. There will be another show at the end of this week. So I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning in. And again, if you have something to say or you have topics you want us to discuss on the show, please email us at wbcisfa at gmail.com. And remember, you can find this and all What's Brewing Cisfa podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. Well, What's Brewing Cisfa is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana. This has been episode number 107, recorded the morning of Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Have a great day, everyone, and have a great week.